Hey, 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 this is The Rest with uh, Joel Kovacs, the rest of my thoughts, the rest of our church, and hopefully uh, the rest of our souls if we get a little loved. And uh, disclaimer, this is not a sermon. This is a podcast. These are my thoughts and interests, and these are your thoughts, the rest of you, your thoughts and interests, the rest is a time for open and safe opinions, dialogue, and anything else that comes up. So today we have episode 16 of The Rest, and I've got my friend and one of our church partners here, Kenny Sipes, with me. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Glad, yep. glad to be here, buddy. Yeah, and I've known Kenny for a long time. We might tell some of that story, <laughs> and it's it fun enough. And uh, and so, yeah, we're going to... Uh, I'm going to do a little recap because it fits in with the theme sure. at our church right now. Uh, we... We just finished three different episodes specifically related to mental health, and um, and so if you missed those, catch back up on those. But also, we're in a season of serving at our church, and so we're doing a, a series called Servanthood right now, where uh, uh, week one, I kind of unpacked my heart and the disposition towards servanthood. And then uh, we have some of our partners coming in and speaking, which actually I should have thought next time you're going to speak. Okay. Next time you're going to be one we'll of our speakers. It. Yeah, you will. And uh, but we we're kind of we we brought in a new partner. Did you hear Roy? I did not. Yeah. So we had Roy Hall Jr. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roy Hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm thinking yeah. Roy Whipple. No, so, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Roy, like, Roy, Roy Hall spoke, spoke this weekend. Oh yeah, I did hear that. It yep. was awesome. Yeah, and so Terrific. yeah, so he spoke, and then uh, we have uh, this coming weekend. So this episode comes out after this will happen. So if you're listening now, if you're listening to this, it will have been. You know, a couple of days ago, we had Mitchell Elson, and we'll have Mitchell Elson, who is, man, dude, I can't wait for you to get to know him. He's a newer partner as well, and uh, he's amazing. Just for anyone listening, partnership at our church um, with with serving is we partner with organizations that are doing things that we're not doing in places that we can't really do them, which we believe is kind of... Uh, it's the heart of the mission of the gospel, and and it's really outlined in the book of Philippians as Paul talks about his partners and people that gifted him. Just with the beginning of the church, it makes sense. You have mm-hmm. the people that go out, and they're doing things in different places. Then you have the local church, and there really is quite a connection that's made between local churches and people that are doing mission mission field work. Absolutely. Uh, in, in our day and age, a lot of it is like some of the languages like parachurch, you know, mm-hmm. like they come, they kind of come alongside the church to do different, maybe specific tasks right. in specific areas, but, but always focused around restoration and, and the gospel and bringing life and beauty and righteousness and justice into people's lives, which is what, what we, we have our partners for. And so we have already an established grouping of partners that have been official partners, which Kenny is, is one of them. And we'll talk about that. And, uh, and through the series, we're adding a couple more and that's why, that's why Roy spoke because he is the, um, the founder of the driven foundation okay. and he talks about that this weekend. Yep. So if you didn't hear that, it's really great. You can check him out. I think it's called the driven foundation.com yep. great uh, message. and great message. You can watch it on the app or the website. And, uh, he talks about servanthood and, and he, he runs an organization that feeds like I think 4,000 families a year. Mm, that's awesome. Something like that. Sure. And, and he talked about it differently. He talked about the amount of food they've given since the the, the creation of the organization, mm-hmm. which was like some million pounds of food or something like that, which is amazing. But I think uh, it's it's just lots and lots of families 
uh, all, all year right. that are taken care of. And it might be like 4,000 meals for hundreds and hundreds of families, something like that. But sure. it's really great. And if you want to get connected directly with Roy, you should, because he's doing great things. So um, we'll jump into just a moment here of the footnotes from my first week uh, talking about uh, servanthood. So this is footnotes. And of course, Kenny, you can, you can, I want you to, to dive right in here. Yeah. And uh, footnotes is just a moment where I kind of talk about a little bit more. So as I laid, I laid out this picture of servanthood, I unpacked a little bit of Mark 10. Mark 10 is where the disciples come to Jesus and say, can we sit at your right hand and left hand when you are glorified? So what they mean is when you sit on the throne in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. like the king, like so wherever Herod was sitting, when you sit there, can we be on your right and left? And Jesus kind of goes, you don't really, can you, he goes, can you, can you drink the cup and experience the baptism that I'm going to be baptized? To which they're kind of like, yeah. And he's really saying, can you go through what I'm about to go through? and die mm. and be crucified. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and then they're like, yeah. And he's like, well, you will actually die. But the spots next to me when I'm in glory are, are already determined. And what he's alluding to is when he's crucified on the cross mm-hmm. and how he's going to die a, a sinner's death in process of serving. So he's saying, you think glorification means that, <laughs> that I'm going to be elevated on a throne. But actually, when I say glorified, what I mean is my kingdom is different. And so we don't put ourselves up on thrones and rule over people. We put ourselves up on crosses to do the things that are necessary to serve people. And so... I'm going to go to the cross because y'all need me to go to the cross. Mm-hmm. So who will be the great, whoever becomes the least will become the greatest. So I'm going to serve you. And then that is really the model of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. So Jesus then goes on to say, take up your cross daily, which he doesn't mean literally die. Right. He means become a servant. And that is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. That's what my power is utilized and dispensed for. I give myself, and so there's a connection. I talked about the connection between the cross and the kingdom. We think of kingdom and throne. Jesus wants us to see there's a connection between the cross and the kingdom. The cross is the picture of what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God, to serve. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're, you're talking about mental health in the last few weeks. Um, you know, I got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous um, almost almost before you were born. So I've been sober a long time. Yeah, and Kenny's one of those guys, if you're watching on YouTube, he, he is way older than he looks. <laughs> Appreciate that. It's got to end someday. Way older than you look. Um, so, you know, I got sober in AA, and that, the whole philosophy at AA is based upon servanthood, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's you know, you want to get happy, forget yourself. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to stay sober, mm-hmm. you're your process by which staying sober is to help others. Yeah. The more you're invested in helping others, people find sobriety and mental health, yeah. the more likely you are to, to stay sober yourself. Yeah. Now you got to do personal inventory and those yeah. kind of things, which is much like in faith, mm-hmm. you know, having, you know, different 
moral clauses in your yeah. life and, and spiritual direction and spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have those, but ultimately you have those so that you might be participating in ways to help other yeah. people. And, you know, so the, like when I finally got saved, you know, a decade after I entered Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, that, that transition was easy because that kind of servanthood was placed in me. And as you known, since we've known each yeah. other, that has been my heartbeat. Yeah. So it's always kind of been like the core <laughs> of my faith. That's, that's right. the way I exhibit it. Mm-hmm. That's the way I experience it. That's where I find most joy in it. And I think that's where I find the most usefulness in my own life. That's really interesting. Uh, I appreciate the tie-in to, to mental health. So an alcoholic and then the 12 steps mm-hmm. are, I mean, so so they're kind of like the spine of them is, would you say it's servanthood? Um, you know, like the first three is like admitting, you know, not basically surrendering and Surrender. finding a higher power. Okay. Four through seven are about uh, spiritual development, basically. You okay. know, you're writing an inventory and then you're addressing your character flaws. Yeah. Eight and nine, you're making amends to the people that suffered under your addiction. And then 10, 11, and 12 is living in this experience of, of being involved in other people's lives, mm. maintaining your activeness in Alcoholics Anonymous so that you might be a beacon of light to people that need sobriety. And so that 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 becomes kind of the capstone of the whole process or that becomes the manifestation of health. Yeah, I would say manifestation. Yeah, like yeah. the 10, 11, 12, it's like you should be living in that all the time. Okay. And then the, the rest of the steps should be someplace in which, and I feel like, uh, like you know, step one is, you know, surrendering your life, uh, admitting you're alcoholic. And I think uh, faith is a lot like that. Sometimes you just, you know, faith is just like, I need to just go simply back to the cross, mm. you know, or I, you know, mm-hmm. there's Easter and there's that moment where mm. we just need to all address how beautiful this is and the yeah. sacrifice that came with it. Yeah. And I feel like the 12 steps in AA have that kind of principle yeah. in, in place is kind of like, sometimes you, you, no matter if you've been sober 20 years, you got to go back to step one mm. and realize like your powerlessness over this thing and how God delivered you from it. And you might just need to take some more personal inventory because you Maybe you got, you know, rested on your laurels and got comfortable and you need to address those things so you don't enter into a place where you would relapse. Yeah. The picture of the cross and and Jesus becoming the servant of all, right? Because he he says at the end of that passage, um, it's the famous, um, I give my life as a ransom for many. Mm -hmm. I didn't come to to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So when he's on the cross... He is, he's doing that thing that only he could do, right? He, he's the perfect lamb of God and he's giving up his life and his blood and defeating the powers and darkness. And he's, he's taking on that fight. And he kind of says like to his disciples, you want to be with me, you got to kind of do the same thing. And, you know, you and I have always, and you've always, I, I've never said this to you. Maybe I have, I don't know, <laughs> but, but I don't think I have. You have a particular, I would call it like a beef with pride. Hmm. You, you know, like you, you've said to me, it might even be like part of our story <laughs> that like when I was some arrogant kid coming you? into your office, and I, 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 maybe, <laughs> you know, I think that you were always like keen on understanding pride. And I think that you had revealed to me uh, in many different interactions that it was because of something that was on your radar, something that you were personally sensitive to. Mm-hmm. So what are your, like, when we think about kingdom yeah. and pride, 
in serving, like how, like just give me your thoughts on how that works for you. Well, I mean, kingdom for me is just, I want to make this place is if I'm functioning on earth, I want to make it as beautiful as possible for mm-hmm. everybody that I have an ability to impact. Um, you know, I think pride, I think I have to fight that every day in my life. And at the same time, um, there was a lot of that that was built into me in, in the DNA and AA, you know, so, you know, humility is a big yeah. uh, character thing that you would want um, to stay sober. And yeah. so, um, you know, I never really strove for leadership. I never strove to be in charge. And all of those things kind of fell into my lap. And Which then, is exactly what is happening in this Mark 10 passage, because they're coming and saying, can we go to the top? Right. And of I, the hierarchy. I, they wanted influence they wanted uh uh position they they wanted notoriety yep and that's um i mean probably this part of my soul does but at the same time like of course i mean i you know i'm involved in three entities and what Mm -hmm. we'll talk about soon and i just i have to call my lawyer to know what i'm supposed to call myself because i don't care about titles yeah right 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 right, right. um i just want what we do to represent itself and executive director or president or manager doesn't really mean anything Mm -hmm. to me doesn't really hold any weight uh doesn't add to who i am it doesn't change the way i op i operate Mm -hmm. um so you know some of that stuff just isn't important to me because i feel like you know my job is to honor the beauty of christ so let's just do that and the rest can be called sure, whatever. whatever it's called but you, you you didn't just show up there no no not really but i mean i think hey really drove that in so well, like, I, well aa yeah T- tell a little bit of the backstory i mean how did you end up in aa oh yeah i was just uh, i was a teenage drunk and uh you know I, I was an only child that got uh hooked on drugs and alcohol and really affected my family uh it was kind of infamous in the, my fam- little, the family you were in or the my family mom and that dad you had? Yeah. yeah just my mom you know just that you know they didn't. They didn't know what to do with that, and they didn't know how it had happened since they're teetotalers, and they would never be involved in that. And uh, it got to a place where I was dealing drugs in high school, and eventually my parents. Pressed. You were dealing drugs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whatever I had, you know, mm-hmm. lots of pills and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was the eighties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, eventually my parents, the only option they felt they could do is press unruly charges against me. So I got wow. uh, held at a the school policeman's car and then the Columbus city police came and picked me up and took me to an alcoholic treatment in center. high school. Yep. I was senior in high school in November. And your parents called the cops on you. They did. Yeah. I mean, it gotten bad. I had been, uh, I'd moved out, kicked out about 10 days before that, okay. which is really traumatic. I mean, to only child, great family, you know, middle-class mm. family. I mean, it's just, that was, I was the only flaw really. And, uh, and then to really get into a physical fight with my father, who's like the kindest, most beautiful soul on the planet, yeah. um, was kind of the last straw. And I think my parents saw that, um, I was headed to a quick grave unless they did something drastic. And that, in that time, you know, in-house inpatient alcoholism treatment was huge. Um, I mean, I went to, I went to, a. Uh, an adolescent treatment center, Talbot Hall at St. Anthony's Hospital, which is OSU East now. And I mean, I was in there. The standard um, process was five days of detox and 28 days of, of inpatient therapy. And then and that's I, what you did. Um, well, uh, yeah, about, uh, about 28 days in, somebody, it was Thanksgiving break, and somebody snuck in LSD into the treatment center. And the wow. uh, a good portion of us uh, broke every you know, rule that was by doing that. Mm -hmm. And so I got extended a seven day stay and, and I'll just, there's a lot to tell about that. But I mean, two things I would say is one, I remember 
before we got caught, how miserable I was. And I kind of had a moment of sanity to like, I never want to feel this way again, but I was stoned as could be at the moment. Mm. And so you mean was, when you were in treatment and I, you were on LSD yeah. and nobody knew it. Yeah. Right. So and you I were was like, like, this is, this is terrible. Like, what am I doing? Um, but I was stoned, you know, so there's no, there's no guarantee that I'm going to own that moment of sanity when I'm not stoned. And, uh, <clears throat> the next day everybody got caught. And I sat in the office of a woman named Sister Lucille Martin, um, incredible woman. And uh, she was in charge of the unit. And she said, we're going to have to send you to a detention home. And I said, well, if you send me to a detention home, then I'll commit suicide. And the fact I'm dead will be your fault. Mm. And this is a conversation we have for like two hours. And, um, you know, thank Thanks be to God. I walked out of there. Um, I never drank again. That was actually the last time I ever used any Well, So substance. what happened? Did you go to the detention? I did not. She extended my stay for seven days. Mm. And then my counselor said, you'll never make it sober ever. You're not, you're not of that type. Mm. Um, and I got active in Alcoholics Anonymous right away. Had a sponsor. It was like, so was that moment, that two hour conversation, was that, that lady helped you turn the corner? I think in that moment I was, uh, exasperated and meant every word. And I don't know. I mm. just, you know, I think the beauty of that story and that's, there's a whole other no, podcast yeah, good. we can have it's good. is I, I got married about, <clears throat> was it? I got married about eight years later. And that woman, that sister, that nun came through my receiving line and she said, hey, it feels like my own son got married today. Wow. And you just think of like like the weight you put on that. I put on her in that moment with my parents who are dying yeah. inside, you know, all of the money they invested in the insurance that it would cost to treat me. And mm. uh, I blew it. And then I'm threatening this. And then we got spiritually healthy enough and sober long enough for that kind of experience to occur. Wow. I like, I, this is just my uh, personality. How did you start on drugs? What, 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 what like what led you, um, what happened? Where I think, you know, I was, uh, you know, in, in today's society, you know, I mean, we just didn't have anti-anxiety meds and all those kind of things that weren't, that weren't something we really talked about. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for me at that time, I was a super anxious kid. Mm. I mean, super um, aware of like, you know, over aware that anybody was paying attention to me. Like the kid that tripped in school and assumed that everybody just announced Laughed it, you and know, talked and uh, yeah. Kenny Sykes yeah. just tripped down the hall and everybody see that, you know, that's the way I felt. And so when I had my first few experiences with alcohol and it kind of eliminated that emotion, mm, like that, you got hooked. who cared, you know? Um, yeah, I was, I was hooked. Yeah. I you got know? You. And okay. then I, then I just have this obsessive personality so i'm going to do right. everything All i get out. my hands on yeah. you know so the prettier wow. the pill the more i would take it what a, what a story um man okay so so you go through that process and then and then after that you go through the 12 steps yep. after the yep. treatment yep so after treatment then i just got sober in aa i mean this then you know my goal was 90 a meetings in 90 days and i did that i pretty much Jeez. went to an aa meeting Probably pretty much every day of my life, um, well into getting married. So probably for about ten years, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I was in an AA meeting mm -hmm. sometimes two and three a day. It was wow. my it was my community, yeah. and it was it was awesome. It's really honestly the why the why I know Columbus because I just would go to any AA meeting. So I All knew over. everything from Dublin to Zanesville because mm -hmm. I just and then I you know I I got lucky you know I was seventeen years old when I got sober and I stayed sober and it was kind of an anomaly at the mm -hmm. time. Most kids just eventually relapsed or went out and um so then i kind of got on the speaker circuit so you know then i would end up speaking all over yeah. the state of ohio and i got to know you know central ohio simply because i was you know offering up a story that i hope that could help other that's people that's great at the time. man wow 
So you see, it's amazing. I, I guarantee, I mean, this the programs that you went through, obviously with Sister Mary, whoever it was, yep. Sister Mary Clarence is what I want to say from, <laughs> from Sister, Sister Act. Sister Lucille, he forgives <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, but, you know, there's a faith background, and, and, mm-hmm. and I get, the 12 steps, I don't know the history of, I mean, it has to be obviously some clinical psychological work there in terms of how people grow and change, and, and, and it's all scientific that way. But then that faith piece of what really ties it up and helps people move forward is a servant piece. Right. And right. so, um, I guess, uh, you know, I want to, I want to pick up with servanthood and talk a little bit more about your story, both from the, the faith based working in church and how that all happened. And then, and then also into what you're doing now. And, and now you're one of our partners, but before we do that, we need to talk about a couple of things that are probably more important. <laughs> are we still in footnotes? Uh, yeah, we are. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> oh it's, it's just God, what just, happens. I don't know the process. It's okay. okay. <laughs> it's very loose. Like it, it can go way off bat. The Sounds next good. thing is you're the aficionado uh, and we'll play some music for that. Oh, but, okay. but in the meantime, actually, let's just go to that. This is all about Kenny being our, our, uh, our representative of servanthood and partner here. Here we go. He's the man. Okay, so what I want to talk about is the Buckeyes <laughs> All right. in sports. Like, we have to take a minute. Sure. So, Kenny and I, gosh, see, this could just... <laughs> when the hell when it started? <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Kenny, so I worked at the same church that he worked at. Uh, I was hired in to do, to be a music director, music worship leader in a Southern Baptist church that had multi uh, multiple worship experiences, different genres of music, and I was the hip edgy rock and rock and roll, roll emerge, Jill, emerge. <laughs> and kenny was the student director that was me so this is how we first met i got there in 2007 fall of 2007 so just give the brief history of time what you went from alcohols anonymous and oh, then yeah. just give give the skimmed version to this, get, this get to really Jersey. Let them know how old I am. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm got, sorry. I, got, I mean, I got married in '90, got uh, saved in '96, and um, at that time I was running a record store uh, in inner city for about ten years, and then um, went into ministry um, as kind of a byproduct. Two things: I got saved, and then I really loved students. I started coaching my, or uh, Ethan's baseball team when he was about seven, eight. And uh, I was just really effective at it. I wasn't incredibly gifted at, uh, you know, um, skills, but I was good at human beings and it kind of like paid off and people noticed Mm -hmm. and kind of got recruited to the church. Uh, There was a fight. I mean, they used to bring a lot of uh, inner city kids to the church and there was a fight. What church? uh, At Jersey. Oh, at Jersey. Okay. And uh, Horace at the time asked me to come in and volunteer because I worked in the inner cities. Like, oh, you can help. You can help. And and he's so sweet. Belgium guy. And just he was the student director. Yeah. So he said, hey, could you come volunteer? And I did. And not long after that, the other, uh, the main youth pastor, Mark Simpson, left, and uh, there came an opportunity. I'd been 99 te- or something like that? No, no, this is 2003. Okay, 2003. Yeah, so I got saved in 96, and then got I it. came on staff in 2003, and that was just through, I had been teaching like ninth grade boys for a couple years, which nobody wants to do, and uh, they thought that went well, and then... Um, I ended up uh, getting, you know, they offered an opportunity. So I got interviewed and a guy with a master's in divinity who's down to us too. And I have no college 
no religious background, got saved seven years before that, and they hired me. Mm. So at the age of 37, I became a youth pastor, which at the time, Pastor John was like, you know, most guys are, are leaving youth ministry at 37. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And I was walking in. Mm-hmm. So you're walking in, and then I walk in. <laughs> And at first we kind of had, I don't know. I don't think that we had any like necessarily bad blood. (laughs) Maybe we did. I think I I had an attitude or I don't know. I wanted to be, so I came in under the, the, the idea that like I wasn't going to be there very long. Right. Right. And that was a little bit of unfair, but I told everybody that I was going to start a church. (laughs) And so it was kind of like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put Joel over here. Yep. And, and, and then, but I wanted to be over here and over here. So when I, I think I tried to like get more involved, but there was a little bit of resistance because sure. I was on the clock. Right. I was going to leave. Well, we just led differently. Yeah. You know, you had a lot of young life background mm-hmm. and you'd build a lot mm-hmm. of experiences out of that kind of thing. Yep. Yep. I was terrible at game time and stuff. And I was, uh, you know, I think what you would have said, it's just too heavy. Sure. You know, it's maybe. too deep, man. I don't know. And, uh, and so, you know, that was the way I was built. Yeah. Um, I think probably because that's the way I feel inside. So, yeah. you know, I want that. Um, experience for the students mm-hmm. and their ability to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, well, I think we butted heads because you know I, I know you wanted a say in kind of that sure. stuff and uh, and but it was fine. I mean, but you know we did, we did end up in the executive pastor's office. You remember? Gosh. You remember this? <laughs> so Joel and I ended up in a meeting with the senior pastor, the executive pastor, and the discipleship pastor and uh, PK uh, Keith. And John. I, yeah, I'm still and, not. I'm still. I can't remember. This is so my, we're sitting in this mid-term. meeting, and here's the thing: is just oh, Joel no. and I. We were like oil and water when it came to ministry, but we we kind of like enjoyed our sandpaper. It was fine; like it didn't bother me. Yeah, we, we kinda, could be jerks to each other, mm-hmm. and it was fine. You know, if we needed to do office supply shopping at Target, he was my running buddy. So yeah, I mean, we'd you know, go we had do our stuff. own thing. Yeah, but there was enough friction from the way it felt to staff that they just felt like they had to heal it. And okay. so so we ended up in a meeting. Gosh. And we ended up in a meeting in past BJ's office. <sighs> and, um, you know, Keith kind of moderated it. He's gets Keith's talent. And uh, <laughs> basically, they just made us talk nice about each other. <laughs> like, they were like, Cole, Joel, just kind of tell us a little bit. What you, you know, what do you see that's good okay, in Kenny? Okay. And then I had to do that with Joel. Okay. Um, and I think it was more to appease staff because we were fine. We were kind of <laughs> like, we're not really that mad at each other. Like, we just were brothers, so I we kind of we fight. To, I mean, we went to Catalyst together. And was that after with, that? Uh, it had to be. It had to be. I guess. I don't know. There was a lot of happened during the time, and went to Catalyst, drove to Atlanta. You argued with Tony for like ten hours, and then- dude, we 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 argued for ten hours about how Jeff Foxworthy can be a Christian. <laughs> And be a comedian. And the funny thing is, I'm a talker, and I didn't get to say a word because Tony and Joel would fight this fight, oh. and then to- Joel would say, hey, "We'll just agree to disagree." Yeah, and there'd be like 15 seconds, and then Joel would go, "But, but," and then they would go off for like another 15 minutes. But I tell you, one of the most beautiful oh, things man, about I'm that, tired of being right. <laughs> the Catalyst Conference was great. Yeah. I, I think the two things I remember that I like to share with that is one. Um, I remember the shack was new and you we yeah, were yeah. wrestling with a lot of the why they were they were they were messing with theology uh-huh. and, and the shack and you know I think some of us have all kind of grown through yeah. hey it's fiction let's just yeah. move on yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we did that and the other thing was and I think you might remember this but I just always thought you were I don't want to cuss here but uh, let's see um just you're always just a little too abrasive like there was no emotion in Joel right yeah, too, too, and we were in the top of the of the the, the 
the stadium and the Chris Tomlin group, they brought out the African Children's Choir. Yeah. And it was just, they came out, these little 12-year-old, 10-year-old kids singing worship. And I literally, I'm moved and I hear this... And I look over and Joel is, is on the verge of sobbing. And I'm like, oh, look at that. There's man. a real heart in there somewhere. Yeah, and, then, and I think to me, I, I almost feel like that was the beginning of our intimacy yeah. and friendship because as you, maybe you'll allude to this, but you know, once you left Jersey and you started to launch this, then I became kind of a bouncing off yeah. pad of somebody yeah. that could be objective that yeah. wasn't emotionally involved. And I think a lot of that stemmed from that. Like yeah. I, I can I can tell Kenny whatever I want and he it's saw not going to be held against me yeah. and we can kind of walk through it and that, that'll be helpful. No, so. yeah, that was a special moment. I, I think it's just like, you know, pride and whatever and jobs and things can, can get in the way, but we've always just been friends. Like we've yeah. we just really, I think we just like each other. It's just funny the way, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's weird. No, it like is. Like there's just kinship that yep. way. I, I do feel like you're like a brother, yep. kind of like a dad, kind of like a brother. <laughs> And I'll start with them. We started this with the Buckeyes. I don't know where, where yeah, we were. Yeah, so the Buckeyes. So now that's kind of like we're like Buckeye friends. Like that's like what we do. Like like we, you know, we, since the past two and a half years of this craziness of not being able to go anywhere, every Buckeye game, <laughs> we're, we're texting. just texting each other. It's like, it's like a, it's almost like a tick for me now. I'm like, why didn't he tackle him? <laughs> I mean, whatever. And, but Joel's the eternal optimist. So hey, oh, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, that's like, what I'm, it is. I'm like the pessimist. I'm a Vikings fan. So we're like, always ready for the enough. worst we're always bad enough to not make the super bowl mm. we're always good enough to never tear it all down so we sit in this like you know this pessimistic Dude, kind of martyr kirk cousins and that's so, what it yeah, is yeah so now <laughs> that's hey, the epitome kirk, of, of uh, great well yeah he's good enough yeah, yeah to not yeah. go to the super bowl yeah, we'll, we'll see well, maybe we have a defense but <laughs> we'll see but so and so when the buck guys just have a bad moment i'm like oh I this is the, over I the vikings you know doomsday <laughs> yeah. personality and yeah. joel's like it's fine it's we're fine. fine wait till the second half we're it's fine, fine. <laughs> they'll, they'll adjust yeah they'll except adjust. the michigan game this year it's been fine yeah, no, and, and I mean, so that's the way I am with those games. I'm like, ah, man, like they're gonna they're gonna square this away. And you you immediately, it's interesting because when you talk about kind of what started you down the path of of when you talk about drugs, like what you said to me, and obviously you're mature and you don't have that type of intensity there, but you do have like kind of an anxiety. You're like, <laughs> you, you've you've healed in a lot of ways, but like you, you immediately it'll be like. Our linebackers are so slow. I mean, like, we can't even do I've been it. I've saying that for years. So. I know. I was just like, wait a minute. Like, hold on here. We still have some of the fastest guys in the world. Let's let, let's see what happens. Um, he, one of my board members, he actually calls this, because one of our core values of what we're going to talk about is optimism. Yeah. And he says, like, you're the most optimistic overthinker yeah. I've ever met in my life. So you yeah. have this optimistic, but you yeah. have this, I'm processing way too much yeah. information and causing myself emotional damage. Yes. You know, so there's a, it's, I, uh, you know, yeah. yeah, I try to bring the best, but I think the worst. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know, man. It's fun. So we do that. We, and with the, the, not just football, but, uh, basketball, basketball. yeah we've had a great time with definitely love definitely love college basketball yeah. i definitely love i mean in a way in the past two three years our basketball team 
I don't know. It's like I, I enjoy it so much because you can get into it and it matters. Every game matters. The Buckeyes are like right there. They're yep. like right on the bubble. They're always like fighting. They beat Duke this not year. Not good enough to win it all, but not uh, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, not bad enough to win it all. Not good yeah. enough to you know whatever. You know, Thad Mata, those years can't were tear great. it all down because they're just enough. Just oh, enough. There's enough hope that we're gonna keep trying. To- I know, man. And, and I don't know. I mean, and some of these players, like, and sometimes you see them, and we we they, they are so good they have so much potential mm. so um who, who's uh uh ej yeah EJ. ej liddell i mean like big 10 and um malachi branham i mean like those guys you're like oh my gosh yeah. these guys are so good and they have these games they score 30 points and you're like we're gonna go all the way and then they they do you know whatever <laughs> well, then you get selfish you're like malachi just don't be that good don't be that good another because now he's but, gone yeah yeah he's, he's gone. A gone anyway it's always that's always fun so sorry for all these people who hate sports yeah whatever i mean it, it <laughs> you know it is it is though that is like our like you know and now hopefully we can spend some more like normal time together but like it's been kind of nice to like yeah. ha- always have that go-to that my sports buff kid you know moved out you know mm-hmm. a few years ago so i don't really have yeah. that with them so you're kind of my guy yeah you know? and i mean <laughs> katie doesn't like sit and watch the games oh yeah i don't have that it's, <laughs> me, it's me and you, and yeah, it's we're me not and you. I don't, she's like what did kenny say <laughs> like she walked by and, and michigan scores a touchdown or someone scores <laughs> and it, and she's like oh boy what did kenny say i'm like he just flipped me off off <laughs> it's fun um so okay so kenny you know uh, w- we have that story and and then i you know i moved on and and started the church and then and then god got a hold of you to do something mm-hmm. different yep and uh just tell everybody the story and it's kind of how you became a partner at least the whole sure. track um i think what's kind of cool too is i tell the story is I, it's one of those things where i think when i first think i was going to tell joel that I just really felt like he'd be like, dude, that's crazy and stupid. And I didn't get that at all, which um, not to say it wasn't surprising, but at the same time, I also feel like you, you're you always really gifted at pushback in a way that's healthy and helpful. Um, I think one of the ways, I, you know, this doesn't tell that story, but when we were on staff at that old church, mm-hmm. I had a, an incident with three students that it was just overwhelming me and I couldn't manage. Yeah, and I, I think I remember this. And just kind of yeah. like played mediator. Sure. And so I've just kind of seen that in you. Mm-hmm. So, that you know, uh, thank you for being yeah, an sure. firmer. But uh no, I, you know, it's Joel knows that there were some experiences I had on staff at Jersey where um, I took kids all over the world, Cambodia, Africa, took uh, Katie went Katie to me went with to me Africa, in Africa. Yeah. And, you know, I just continued to see experiences. Lesotho. Lesotho, that's right. Um, to really, you know, maybe do something different than I was doing on staff. I mean, I love the gospel. Um, Evangelism is not my gift set. Um, definitely servanthood is. And, um, the more I was there, the more I, I wrestled with that. Um, after I came back from Africa, I know that uh, um, Lori always says the man who got on the plane and never returned. And mm-hmm. um, That trip. Yep, that 2008. And I didn't leave Jersey until 2013. Um, and so 2008, about 2010, I remember Lori coming to me and saying, hey, if you ever need to leave the church, I'm at peace with that. Not like <clears throat> church, church, but the job. Yeah. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, She's she was already discerning like the the unsettledness in my she soul, knew. and she said, "I'm just telling you when that kind comes, you won't have to come home and convince me because I already know." Hmm. And I'm like, "Okay," 
Um, and a couple years later, we went to um, uh, comp. It's like Mil- that's a little chicken and egg. Yeah, it's just like, eh, what is that? Like, <laughs> it's like, is she I'm, planting the seed or is well, she? Well, the other thing too seen. is, you know how much I love students. I'm still yeah. here in Jersey, like you know, leading ninth grade yeah. boys, and for some reason, they still listen to me. So there, there's something in that that's yeah. really important to me. Yeah. So just to no, like, you mean you're here? I think yeah, it's important. You lead a, a small group at this church. Yeah. Now I lead but, a small group, but at here. that time, you were yeah, she was came the, to you and yeah, she was and you I were still doing that youth guy, and it's just kind of like like this these surrounder kids or everything you know like why would i leave this so um but i started to wrestle and started confessing to the children's pastor and talking about some stuff and Lori and i went to a donald miller conference Mm -hmm. and uh it was about story building your life story making he does creating creating an inciting incident to change Mm -hmm. and what would be end result and um i don't know what all of that was going to tell me i just remember telling Lori at dinner she's like what do you think and i said i think i'm supposed to leave the church without a plan and she said, yeah, I'm not feeling that. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make and, any sense. Uh, but I'm with you 100%, but, yeah, you know, but whatever no. that is. Right. And so that was like May. We came <clears> back to church, and all kinds of things started to fall into place for my next level trajectory in that church, promotion, and did a uh, did a Cambodia trip. Mm-hmm. I did a trip to uh, Savannah, Georgia, and then um, I think it was that year. I don't know. We did a lot of trips. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, that was like June, July was happening, and then August, nothing changed. Like I didn't get what was supposed to be potential promotion, and my life just spiritually bottomed out. And I remember in September, I just got this super overwhelming spiritual experience where God said, you told her in May exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm. So like you're miserable because you're living in this holy disobedience Mm. that just like you confessed I need to move on without a plan. And, um, and so I started to make a plan mm. and, uh, with really no plan yeah, uh, right, right. In, in September of that year, I went to Nashville and dreamed with some people and eventually met with some organizations that, uh, what the Roosevelt does, does support now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, the other youth pastor left at the end of that year at the end of 2012 <clears throat> and was like, well, that sucks. Cause I'm getting ready to leave, but nobody knows Eric. Uh, yeah. Yep. And so I resigned not long after that. And they were going through their whole vision change, you know, color, font, mm, mm, theme, mm-hmm, mission statement. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, can you stay on a few months? Um, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have a plan. So I'll be glad to stay and try to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got to be about May of the next year. And I remember 11. So now 14. Yeah, uh, 13. That's 13. So, but May of May of, of 13. Now, 13. Yeah. so 12 to 13. So I remember, uh, I remember there used there was a uh, this is a funny story. We were driving through Pickerington where we live, and there was an old CC's Pizza that went out of business. And I was oh, like, oh, the buffet. Uh, and I said well, we should start a coffee shop in that. And Lori's mm. like, you're not leaving the church to start a coffee shop. And that was like in the fall. Now we're in May, and she's like, I don't really care what you do, just go do it. Mm. And uh, and I'd been meeting with uh, long. I'd had a dream team listed for a long time. You know, people like yourself, mm-hmm. and probably about 15, 20 core people that I was like. If I do something stupid, I wanted to talk to these people. Yeah. And I'd been meeting with about six or seven of them. And eventually we made this decision, um, kind of with my guidance, I guess, um, that let's start a nonprofit coffee house that funds organizations fighting the injustices of hunger, unclean water, and human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And that was May. I left the church in uh, July. And in August, I started to birth all of that out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like build a nonprofit, yeah. uh, get status, uh, get a board, find a building, learn <clears throat> coffee, right. raise money. And so from August of 2013 to uh, July or April of 2015, 
2015, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And in April 2015, we opened the Roosevelt Coffee House, which is a nonprofit that funds the things that I discussed there. Yeah. Um, so why? Just um, tell everybody what, what <clears throat> I told the church on Sunday. I, I did a little announcement about the Roosevelt. And I, I always talk about it like it was the inspiration around the concept was the one-to-one -one Tom's thing. Mm, buy, yep. buy one, give one. Sure. I think what it's become more is, you know, let's use coffee as a commodity by which we can make impact. Yeah. Um, so why was just I, um, you know, back around the time we were hanging out, Invisible Children was massive, right? And yeah. I hosted like every film screening they had for years. Tell Jersey. everybody what that is. Cause it's so Invisible Children was a, was these three dudes from San Diego who went to uh, the Congo uh, in, in Africa and they were just been a film like Africa Trip. And then they ended up engaging this kid named Jacob, what they found out was a night commuter. And uh, basically what that meant is that all these kids would commute at night to a public environment to avoid being kidnapped and turned into child soldiers. Mm -hmm. And so they started doing this whole documentary on the evilness of Joseph Coney, who created this <clears throat> LRA army and the, the plight of these children. That And so they would just do these uh, events and they built a really big... Um, following through their their film work i mean you know so their yeah 70 percent of the budget was on media and people who would critique that was like we well, can't do that but it's like everybody knew what it was because of that now that was like in in like oh nine yeah so oh six it kind of took off um and oh nine yeah because was i was like, still there and uh, the killer song was on that one video and um and then 2012 was when the joseph coney thing um really came to fruition and then just long story short that the organization had a lot of problems yeah. and um they drove all of the uh the work back to africa and it worked out great so but that justice thing of like it was it was a big of yeah i get go to justice because that that's what i want you to talk yeah. about but it was like a it was like that that was also like the boom of youtube right they they had the most watched youtube video of all time yeah. and it was interesting because they'd been working so hard for six years that the overnight success just blew their minds yeah right right um but you know so even like a jersey there was like you know these kids that were kidnapped in africa had to walk miles and miles and so we actually did an event where we walked from Jersey all the way to Ohio State University. So 80 kids for like eight hours. And then the whole model was they did this in every city with invisible children. And you had to be rescued by a media personality or a politician. And that was kind of the goal. Like somebody recognized what it was. And so we went to the uh. soccer fields on West Campus with like hundreds of other people and slept on that and slept outside overnight. Um, and then uh, I think Kilbride at the time came out, recognized what we were doing, and they did that in every city. So wow. that was the kind of thing. I remember that. <clears throat> but the reason, like I mentioned that, is like you could tell, talk about all 10 years Kenny was a Jersey, and the kids probably like will remember mission trip experiences, and they'll remember I walked 25 miles for invisible children. Why'd you walk 25 miles? Because this is what happened to those kids. Those kind of moments like there's 27 million people enslaved at the time when I was on staff. So we made our kids do an overnight event where they had to stand for 27 hours. Mm -hmm. And so they couldn't sit, they couldn't sleep. <clears throat> um, and, but every kid that did that experience, we could go back and say, Hey, why did you stand for 27 hours? Yeah, right. And they'd be like, because yeah. 27 people were enslaved and we were bringing recognition to the injustice of that yeah. was. So yeah. all of that stuff spoke to me. I saw, you know, hunger at the worst level possible in Lesotho. Cambodia is a human trafficking 
Mecca. So we just saw all kinds of, you know, orphans and um, mm. situations that had been rescued and were being restored. And, um, and you know, there was a lot of places that we just avoided because of how dangerous they could be. Um, so those things really spoke to me. Um, you know, I'd worked with a couple uh, clean water organizations. So those, those, th what I, I think when we launched, I think what I was trying to do is create a coffee commodity that can make change in these areas, but also choose areas that would not be controversial in regard, meaning everybody can probably agree. <clears throat> nobody should die of preventative of waterborne diseases. Nobody should die of hunger or starve and nobody should lack freedom. So those were like non-divisive and, you know, could cross all aisles you know, spiritually, non-spiritually, whatever it might be. And then when we launched the shop and that was the vision and we got some media coverage, we, it worked. Yeah. People so, completely connected. So, so when you were conceptualizing this and putting together your heart for this, was there pushback? Like I, I kind of vaguely remember there being at the time, I think one of the buzzwords was like social, the social justice movement. Oh yeah. And in the I, evangelical church, there was a little bit of a problem with that or. Um, I think the, you know, my personality in the church had already kind of won that battle. I think, you know, people understood what that looked like for me and it wasn't uh, an interrupter of the gospel, but I know what you're saying. I also would say though, um, the first media coverage we got, they called it a social justice coffee shop and yeah. that got some bad like <clears throat> response, like just cause it just, it didn't. So we ended up saying, Hey, we're a nonprofit coffee shop, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that no, funds I organizations and does these things. Um, and one of the things that's occurred that is not measurable. And we'll talk a little bit about measurables, but is that, you know, the Roosevelt coffee house and now Roosevelt coffee roasters, it is the, um, incubator of social enterprise development in the, in the city. I mean, yeah, just, I, I was there this morning, two friends of mine, city attorney, Zach Klein was there. Um, Franklin mm -hmm. County treasurer, Cheryl Brooks was there. Um, city council president, Shannon Harden's in there two or three so times you, you a week. So you were a pace setter in terms of creating nonprofit uh, enterprise I, I think the Roosevelt definitely was. And then it became this place where it's I have a friend of mine who's a filmmaker and uh, he's always like, I have all my meetings at the Roosevelt because all the important people who say they don't have time to meet with me are there. Mm. And I get five minutes of their time without mm. having to schedule them. Well, but nice. we see a lot of that. And, and I mention that because I know there's a lot of measurables in the church that um, don't necessarily um talk about um you know if i pastor a wedding this year from a kid i had in middle school that is so beautiful yeah. but that's not a measurable sure. you know it's 15 years later right right and so same thing at the roosevelt we're measuring you know people want to measure with our impact in giving and how many people are affected and what organizations we're working with which is all important and should be measured and talked about but lots the, of intangibles but lots. the intangibles mm -hmm. of like the city council president meeting yeah. with you know for a while he's meeting with the the woman named aslan rodriguez who started a thing called empower bus which was basically a bus system to bus new immigrants to jobs like if they lived in Franklinton, they could get transportation to Marysville yeah. and create this whole nonprofit to create this opportunity for things to change for yes. people like that. Yes. So those are the immeasurables that just blow my mind. Yeah, I was right. meeting today right. with the CEO of the Furniture Bank of Ohio, who's just a super good friend of mine, wow. just from the coffee experience. And we were just kind of catching up. He was uh, an executive habitat for humanity and mm. just moved over. And we just talked That's about amazing. leadership roles and we just 
moved into a new roaster place, so he was checking that out. So you guys, <clears throat> you have two storefronts? Yeah, so we launched in April 2015. Um, it went well, um, you know, and then 2019, we launched it, a that's on. Uh, it's at 300 East Long Street, Corner yeah. 6th and Long. And then in 2019, we opened our second location at Franklin. Perfect timing. And uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and then in 2018, we licensed our brand. So there's an Olin, there's a Roosevelt inside the Olentangy River Brewing Company in Lewis Center. Right. So kind of like a Starbucks and a Target. Yeah. There's yeah. A, <clears throat> um, we're actually in dialogue with a, with a co-working firm coming to town from Georgia that we might end up doing similar stuff with. Nice. And then we started roasting, roasting our own, own coffee stuff. in the fall of 2000. 2018 and that entity um you know is is thriving you know have probably 60 70 wholesale accounts wow um you know obviously we do church yeah. coffee here we yep. do several churches yeah um and that's been kind of an incredible experience so ultimately so how does the business work i mean what percentage of purchases go to these entities yes yeah, so we we don't play that game so okay, yeah um, sorry we, I'm, I'm asking no, genuinely no, no, no we out of it, ignorance uh, we still I, I would say it's a little arbitrary still it's just kind of like hey um we're going to be as aggressive and mm -hmm. as generous as we can mm -hmm. be and we just don't because the you numbers don't set kinda, yourself up you got to make sure yeah. it's viable and then you and we have made some choices that probably aren't wise in regards to viability, but we mm. have done it, you know? So, I mean, meaning like the first three weeks we were open, we ended up uh, the third week donating $400 to Salvation Army for a human trafficking initiative that's happening, which is really cool um, just because of, of what Emma and Tony are doing right now. Yeah. And and, so, and they have a similar experience where they're housing somebody that experienced something and ended up in that same space. Yeah, right. But, so in seven years, we're pushing seven years. We just did seven years in April. Um, you know, we have given over uh, $200,000 away. We have, wow. we have put money in blood water mission for you know wells in africa to wow thousands of meals at faith mission ohio and columbus we um work with um even in the pandemic we made some really aggressive decisions for about three months at the roaster we for every bag of coffee we sold we donated one to medical professionals that were dealing with covid yeah. directly um and mm. we ended up donating almost twenty twenty thousand dollars of coffee during that time um, so we've impacted um, over 60,000 people with that $200,000. Um, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, to the mission, especially at the new shop, it's just like it's just painted on the walls and a mm. big, huge mission statement. That's and, in, uh, in Franklinton. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen and that. In yeah, that I've been there. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, you know, now um, we are probably almost at a million people have walked in our doors in seven years. Wow. So there's that, that's that another one of those intangibles. Like one of the victories yeah, sure. I always say is like these people that come in, they fall in love with our staff, they fall in love with our coffee. And then one day they look up and they see a mission statement. And they're like, <clears throat> what is that? There's more going on. And I've on. already won them, right? I've already got them yeah. for, for, for our quality of product and, uh, and the quality of their experience. And now they see the mission, and now everything's even – I'm never losing that guy. Well, so much to say. You did it right because I I was a part of or at least privy to a couple people. There were some movements in the late 90s and the early 2000s of just making a Christian coffee shop. And the idea was crappy coffee, crappy environment, crappy music, crappy chairs. Everything <laughs> sucks, but we're going to tell – we're going to bring people in and tell them about Jesus but none of them worked because the environments weren't nice right. you know, and the product wasn't nice. So it's like, how does that reflect God? And how do you, are you effective just at a minimal? You don't really need to tell everyone about Jesus. You could just make a really good cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you, 
don't take that the wrong way. We need to tell everyone about Jesus. We all we all agree. No, well, I think but, you know my model is <laughs> yeah. not bait and switch. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I'm not there to share the gospel. Right, and I've right. lost board members and, yeah. and honestly, old Christian support yeah, sure. because that's not our model. Because you but don't it was just never come, yeah. our model. You Your know? model is to do mission to support these things that where you're helping people in, in these amazing places with these these very very difficult needs. And uh, as a reflection, though, of your heart for right. the gospel, you know, the kingdom of God. Right. I mean, that's what it's about. Like and, Scott Harrison at Charity Water always mm-hmm. says this. He says, I am not faith-based. I am inspired by my faith yeah, to do what I do. Right. And, and I, 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 I think that that can sound like whatever, just like rhetoric or verbiage, but I think it makes a difference because I really think that there should be less crossover. I, I think that everything that a Christian does should be kind of... Uh, from the place of being like their creator and making the world great. And and if you're like, if you just were like, I just love coffee and I want to make it great and I want to be a great roaster and you, you, you're a man of faith, like that alone is right. just amazing. Like, like why not? You know? So, um, but the fact that, dude, I'm really, I just had to tell you, I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. I love you, man. Like, dude, I mean, that makes me emotional. Like, I don't think I've, I've heard specifically the report in, in a while. Hmm. And so, I mean, I mean, I think it's probably been since before the pandemic as we were all were just sure. trying to batten down the well, hatches. I mean, just like we ended up doing the, the you know, we, we average anywhere from fifteen to 25,000 a year. Um, and then the pandemic year, 2020, we, we exceeded 40 grand. Man. Because of just some things and some strategies that we did that we thought would be effective and then ended up working. Um, and we got really lucky. And I think, you know, to speak to some of what you're saying too, I think the fear of the church in regards to some of the way that, you know, you're talking about kingdom and the way I exhibited my faith and what I chose to do is that they always felt like that would just mail it in, you know, just kind of like, um, you know, just be a good person and maybe somebody will notice Jesus. But if you actually take action and finish and it becomes um, a, you know, a picture of who you are yeah. and what you represent, then it's going to be that way. So sure. Are some people just going to try to be super moral and hope somebody asks them, which is Whatever. dumb, but I mean, but I mean, you know, that it's great, but that's, that's not necessarily gospel. The more, you know, and, and I, I love sharing like numbers, but we didn't even like calculate how many were impacted the first four sure. years we were open sure. until we started to do some modeling. Yeah. So it was, it wasn't about that. You know, yeah. it's just like, um, you know, I remember there was a guy that came in that lived at faith mission and he bought a $2 cup of coffee every day. And Royce and I became friends yeah. and Royce ended up getting a job at hot chicken takeover that works with second chance employment yeah, yeah. because I knew Joe and I, the owner, are great friends, and so I directed Royce yep. that way. Royce got that job, and you know they match your pay toward your, you know, toward potentially buying a car. And so, like a year into that, Royce came by driving in a sport used sport utility, yeah. saying, "Hey." I got a car, man, you know? And so those are like these things, these pictures of like, how do you even like, I'm not going to quantify that in an annual report, but I'm telling you, that is so awesome. I mean, listen, to talk it, I, about. I, I think that you come from the school of thought that like the gospel is this articulation of who Jesus is and maybe sin and all the, I, I tend to think it's broader in the sense that it is, there's a new King and he has started the process of new creation and because of that, my life has been changed and I'm here to bring about the goodness of God into the world. I Absolutely. think, and so like, 
you know, uh, again, special revelation, you start to get into the, the theology of it, of, of, of revealing the person of Jesus is an important aspect, obviously, of communicating a genuine faith and having a life that reflects your, your value system honestly. But reflecting your value system honestly, uh, it manifests in these things that you do for changing people's lives. I yes. mean, you know, Jesus talked about, you know, let your light shine right. so that people see what you do and glorify God. And so I, I, I just, I'm proud of you. I, to me, like, like, you know, church can become, do we learn the Bible? Do we do the group? Do we pray? Mm-hmm. Do we, you know, and, and, and I, I'm here. I mean, like, I love all that. That's, that's important, really important stuff. But like, I see what you're doing. And to me, that is, that's like church. Like that's the mission of, of the gospel. And so it's a thrill to be a part of it. And I hope anybody listening to this uh, is just like wanting to go online and buy some Roosevelt coffee or <laughs> just go down and be down in the environments and, and get coffee and meet Kenny and dude, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would like to say this is mm-hmm. I think that, um, one of the things the church gets trapped into and talks about is faith, right? Have faith, you know, live faith. Yeah. And I think, um, faith isn't faith until you risk, yeah. um, the ability to, there was no landing point for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Josh Dunn and I are, are great friends. And, um, you know, Josh said to me one day, he goes, my favorite part about you is like, you don't have a plan B. Yeah. Like it, this is yeah. it. And if it doesn't, you know, so I mean, I'm talking 48 years old, yeah. four kids, yeah. virtually zero retirement and walked away without a plan yeah. to launch something because I felt God was faithful enough to say, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm ironing this out. And, you know, you got to step into yeah. it. Just like, you know, Moses let a bunch of people down yeah. the cul-de-sac and until he stepped in, yep. you know, yep. the water didn't apart. Yep. So all those people coming yep. down the cul-de-sac yep. had to be going, what are you doing, bro? That's right. You know, and so the, those those moments of faith and being obedient in them and then, you know, uh, being desperate enough to mm-hmm. continue to depend on something greater yep. than myself to lead that way is the only process by which it occurred. Sure. And I just think sometimes we don't exercise faith yeah we talk about it yeah yeah but we don't exercise it which in true fashion should be he's the only way it's gonna work yeah i love i love that I-, I also heard the other day elon musk say he doesn't have a business plan um so i i, I think that that sometimes we get a little too technical on some of these things and like you 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 kind of knew like you kind of you had a burning passion and it mattered to you and I think God, that matters to God. And I think if you put those two things together, a lot of stuff is going to go well. But I, I also, and I, I'm not saying it's not faith. No, no. I think I think that faith is is a movement that you make, but you're doing it because of lots of factors. The, the other piece is, I think, Kenny, if you look at your life, I mean, everybody just, if they're just listening to you right now and they're hearing this, this podcast, and this is it, this is what they know of Kenny Sipes, look at your life. Like th- this is your life. Mm-hmm. Like you, you didn't just like, you didn't just wake up with heartburn, like, and have like a burning, like you, you've been on a journey of God really steering your life and you've been faithful, I think a lot of the time. And so I hope if someone hears that, you know, it's not some overnight success story. Mm-hmm. It's not some, you know, oh, I, you know, I was, you were in ministry, you mm-hmm. were doing ministry things. And then, and then another thing came. And, and so it's like, you were practicing your faith the whole time. What's next? What's the next thing? What else, God, do you want me to do? 
And I think if anybody hears you talking, they just need to know, like, if you're pursuing God, like he's going to put like great ideas in front of you and they don't all have to be big, right. but they're all going to be great right. to help people. Like you, that's one of the things I know we got to stop, but like I, <laughs> right. big, you yeah. know, big, it's just eh. subtle is where he speaks to whatever, us. man. It doesn't need to be big. It needs mm. to be great. Yeah. And what's great to serve people, which Absolutely. is where we started. That's great. That's what glorifies God. He's up there. There's a connection between the kingdom and the cross. And if you want to be a part of that, then you want to do something great. Great doesn't mean big. Great means it's for God. Yep. Great means it helps people. Great means it brings life and justice and righteousness into the world. And you can do that with your spouse and you can do that with your kids and you can do that as a baseball coach. And you can do that if God says to, you know, do better at your job. I yep. mean, you can do that anywhere if our hearts are right. So I, I anyway, I love you, man. Love I'm you proud too, of you. And Appreciate um, the time. yeah, dude. And I, I, we have to go kind of faster today, but, uh, Hopefully we will. We'll have you back again. We'll talk more. And uh, for everybody listening, this is The Rest. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 